Do you feel prepared? With everything going on in the world, do you find yourself thinking about self-defense, home protection, and financial protection more than ever? One form of financial protection is diversification. Gold has often been used to protect assets against inflation. Gold is a global reserve asset, and countries are buying massive amounts of gold as a hedge against financial collapse. It's time to help protect yourself and invest in gold. Stop thinking things are going to get better. You need to look out for yourself and your family. Visit LearnAboutGold.com. LearnAboutGold.com is a simple, free educational website. LearnAboutGold.com can help you learn about gold. Our website has extensive educational resources that can help guide you along the path of precious metals investing. It's time to inform yourself about why owning gold is more important today than ever. LearnAboutGold.com. That's LearnAboutGold.com. Three words. LearnAboutGold.com. Because today is a day that ends in Y, we have another race hoax, another hate hoax. This one, two days after we were told that the NASCAR is completely racist. Yes, that's right. The most popular race car company in the country is full of a bunch of Klansmen. They found a noose, a threatening noose by the car of Bubba Wallace a race car driver who just happened to be wearing a t-shirt that supported Black Lives Matter. And after an FBI investigation, I kid you not, they brought the FBI in on this. Turns out it was all completely fake. NASCAR released a statement. The FBI has completed its investigation at Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. The FBI report concludes photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose had been positioned there since as early as last fall. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation. We didn't need the investigation. Any reasonable person knew immediately that this was completely fake. And yet the people keep pretending that it's real. What is this about? Is it just NASCAR? Is it just the media? Is it just entertainment? No, it's all of it. It's liberalism itself. Liberalism, which must constantly be overcoming the oppressive past into the new, wonderful, glorious future. Well, what happens when you run out of oppressors? You've got to make them up. It goes way beyond the NASCAR. We are living in make-believe America. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Make-believe America is much wider than just one sports league or much wider than just one occupied zone of Seattle. It's spreading everywhere. We're all playing cops and robbers over here. We had a race hoax in NASCAR. Seems like we have race hoaxes all the time. Actually, the way that I knew that Bubba Wallace was not giving us the whole story is because he managed to hold his Subway sandwich the whole time while they were investigating his race car. You know, when you hold that Subway sandwich, that just shows you something about this this race attack. Not quite real. But that, that was not the only one. There was another attack that went viral earlier today of a man accosting some woman in her car, reducing her to tears. She became very hysterical. And this now went around the internet with this woman being smeared as a racist. But I think people are drawing the opposite conclusion from what we really saw. So the, the setup is that this woman targeted this man. She was racist toward him, whatever that means. And so he gets in her face with the camera. You flipped me off. Sir. You don't touch me. Do not touch me. You flipped me off. I don't care. Why did you flip? Why did you flip me off? You were totally 
Karen. Ma'am, did you don't touch me? Do not touch me. Did you, ma'am? Did you or did you not cuss me? Did you not? Did you flip me off? Why did I get flipped off? Why did I, ma'am? Okay, so here's the setup. Obviously, this woman is having a hysterical meltdown, but this guy is causing the hysterical meltdown. What he's saying is, you flip me off in the road, which is something that happens virtually every time anybody goes out driving, right? Someone will flip you off or get, honk the horn, or uh, that's that's in the nature of driving. It's call it road rage, call it whatever. It's perfectly normal. It's not some racial incident. And so he follows this woman home. She pulls into her driveway. He pulls in behind her, gets out, and gets a camera in her face. That is very bad behavior. That is, forget it's not chivalrous behavior. That is aggressive, creepy. Like if anyone ever did that to my wife, then we're going to have more than a YouTube video to worry about kind of behavior. And yet he's being portrayed as the victim here. And he even admits what's he worried about. He's upset because she flipped him off. And so now he's in her face and she's freaking out. Now, why is she freaking out? She might just be a hysterical woman. But I think she's probably freaking out because she knows how this goes. How this has been going for the past few weeks is you have a viral internet video out of context accusing some white person of of committing a racism. And whether there's evidence for it or not, that person's life is ruined and the accuser faces no consequences at all. He actually, ironically, uses a racial epithet. It's kind of a funny racial epithet. It's one that everyone is using in popular culture now, Karen. But Karen does have a racial quality to it in that it very specifically refers to a busybody white woman. So he he's getting in her face. Imagine this. Imagine what a, what a degenerate man you would have to be to have a woman becoming hysterical in front of you, a woman that you don't know, and you follow her home and get in her face and yell insults at her. What a, what a sick degenerate pervert you've got to be to do that. So he keeps this up. She keeps freaking out and having this, this meltdown. And then he goes one step further. He decides to dox the woman. I'm a t- Karen, are you okay? Can you explain to me calmly? No, because you're attacking me right now. I'm not attacking you. Ma'am, you flicked me off. Guys, this is her license plate number. She lives here. This is her address. Karen, you flipped me off. You cut me off and flipped me off, and now you're playing the victim. Ma'am, would you like to calm down? Guys, she flipped me off. She literally clipped me off, and then she tried to come home. She's Karen. Karen, would you like to calm down and have a conversation? Why you? Okay, he actually is attacking her here. I know it, it doesn't quite seem that way, because, and she's obviously becoming very hysterical. She's becoming hysterical for good reason. The people who show up in these videos get their lives ruined. And what he is saying, like, here's her license plate, here's where she lives, is come get her. Come get her, mob. It, uh, it would be much less threatening if he just punched her in the face and walked away. Or like that man in New York threw a firecracker on a homeless person. It would actually be less threatening because what he's saying here is, here's where she is, here's where you can find her, even when she's in a car, you you can find her and you can ruin her life. So I, I actually think, I, I like to think I would not react in that way, but it's perfectly understandable that she is. Just judging from this incident, this guy is a sick degenerate. And I, I don't know if there are laws against what he's doing, where he is. Doxing is against the law in many states. But if there are aren't laws, then there should be laws. And this guy should be punished for what he did. Then you Google him and you find out this guy, it's all a setup. This wasn't because she flipped him off or anything. He hates white people. Apparently his, his Twitter handle is why people hate, why people hate. 
right? Yeah, get it. His name is Carlos Dillard. He's pulled this stunt before. He's accused people baselessly of racism before he's tried to go viral. He considers himself an entertainer and a comedian and an actor and all sorts of things. He's got all these websites on the internet and he doesn't have a big following at all, but he's trying to go viral on Twitter. And I guess he did. I guess he did. And he got what he wanted because we're talking about it. But of course we're talking about it because it trended. That's, that's what we are, that's what we are creating in this culture is make-believe. There, there isn't racial bigotry going on all over the place. It just isn't happening. There isn't a villain. There isn't an oppressor. And so degenerates like Carlos Dillard have to make it up. We're all making it up in this culture. I don't, I don't even mean just to single out him. I want to single him out because he behaved horribly and should be punished by the law for it. But it's beyond him. It's the whole culture. We should all, we should all rewrite, reset our culture. And yet that's not happening anytime soon. In fact, we're, we're going even further. We're now canceling Eskimo pies. You know, Eskimo pies, delicious frozen treat. They're gone. They're gone. We'll get to that in one second. We'll get to why they're gone. We'll get to why it's so crazy that they're gone. First, I got to thank our friends over at Eero. Eero is a solution to a problem that I have had. I'm sure you have had too. There's that one spot in your house that's got really good Wi-Fi. There's that one spot in your house that has terrible Wi-Fi. I think we, we all have it. It's so frustrating. Eero fixes the problem. Eero is Wi-Fi that your home deserves. Blanketing the whole place with fast, reliable Wi-Fi, not just inside, but outside too. Eero extends your coverage so you can enjoy the nicer weather and get work done from your deck. Eero eliminates poor coverage, dead spots, buffering. You will have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. Eero sets up in minutes, plugs right into your modem or modem router box, and you manage it from a dead, simple app. I love it. The thing that I love most about Eero it's so simple to install. Even I can do it. Usually I'm waiting, I'm trying like hours to set things up. Eero, two seconds. Very easy. You can get yours fixed as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Enter code Knowles at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. E-E-R-O.com slash Knowles, code Knowles at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. You must use this URL to receive this offer. Eero.com slash Knowles, code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Eskimo pie is gone. You can't get an Eskimo pie anymore. You might be able to get the delicious treat, but it won't be called an Eskimo pie. Why? The company that produces it just stated, declared, we are committed to being a part of the solution on racial equality. We recognize that the term Eskimo is derogatory. This move is part of a larger review to ensure our company and brands reflect our people values. So the premise here is that Eskimo is a derogatory term. It's a slur, but it's not. It's not. I just Googled it. I guess the CEO of the Nestle company didn't have time to Google this, but I had time to Google this. Uh, as a matter of etymology, right, the, the root of this word, the word Eskimo comes from the Inuaimun word Eskimu, meaning a person who laces a snowshoe. Uh, it does not have a pejorative meaning in origin. Even Wikipedia admits does not have a pejorative meaning in origin. It's just some white liberals who decided that they would be offended on behalf of Eskimos, just like it was white liberals who decided to get offended on behalf of Native Americans and, and demanded that the Washington Redskins change their name, even though the Washington Redskins, n- nine out of 10 Native Americans surveyed, don't care about the Washington Redskins name. Just like it was primarily white liberals pushing to cancel Aunt Jemima, a black character portrayed by a black model created by a black comedian. 
We're all just playing make-believe. Now, not all of the examples of make-believe America are so frivolous. You thought, when you were looking over at Seattle, you thought that those idiots in Chaz Chop, Soimalia, you thought that they were just one-off weirdos. They're not. It's not just this strange social experiment happening within a six-block radius of Seattle. It's spreading. Chaz Chop is bicoastal now. The LARP, the live-action role-play, is spreading. We now have Chaz, and we have Bahaz. No, Blaz. That's what it is. Blaz. No, Bahaz. That's what it is. It's very hard to keep all of it, because they keep changing their name, too, but I think it currently is Bahaz, the Black House Autonomous Zone. And the Black House Autonomous Zone is all the way in Washington, D.C., right across the way from the White House. They've now taken over and vandalized that historic church, St. John's Church, that President Trump walked over to and held the Bible up. They've, they've vandalized it now. They've sprayed their name, B-H-A-Z, on the church. And they are running roughshod over law and order there with, with total impunity. You, you now have examples in this area of the, the rioters, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the peaceful protesters screaming at the cops. And the, the screams have a racial overtone to them. So in one example, you have a black man yelling at a black woman saying very insulting things. The black man is a rioter. The black woman is a police officer. Take a listen to this disgusting diatribe. And you and still want to mask this. You want to mask? Call me. Oh, okay. She don't I tried to give her, her ancestors are upset with her. You know, she, ne- so she needed to have like a whole stuff return of work being done. She needs to work through that trauma that has her out here. That internalized trauma. All black lives matter. You know, your ancestors got to be upset with you right now, sis. If you want some healing, you so as this dirtbag is spewing this bile at this woman, you can see she's, she's just kind of taking it, but she doesn't seem happy. She doesn't seem like she's having a nice time. And this is a common theme I see with all these leftist protests, is it's these dirtbag men saying vile things to women because I, I guess worries about sexism have gone totally out the window. And they have gone out the window. They've gone out the window in part, actually, because of feminism, because of, of this idea that men and women are exactly the same, and so men shouldn't treat women in any sort of special way. Well, they don't. They get violent with them. They say disgusting things to them. They, they follow them to where they park their cars in their driveway and film them. Disgusting, disgusting stuff. But it takes on an even weirder racial element when in the name, I mean, they can't do two things at once. They can't fight sexism and racism. They got to, I guess they have to pick. It's a little schizophrenic. But then in the name of fighting racism, you now have white leftists screaming at black cops in defense of black people who they're screaming at. Take a listen. What do you think of your uniform? Are you afraid of police? I have, a, I have a question for you. You're white and you're telling this to two black police officers. Yeah. Do you see the problem with that a little bit? Um, no, I don't because you know what? Just because I'm white and I haven't experienced racism myself doesn't mean I can't fight for justice. They're a part of the system. They're a part of the problem. Just because they're black doesn't mean they're not a part of the problem. Gotcha. I'm allowed to say this to whoever. Because I'm white, racism is a white person's problem. Yep. Racism is my problem. I need to fix it. That's why I'm here talking to all of them. Black, white, brown, purple. So speaking of hysterical women, 
obviously her argument doesn't make a lot of sense because they keep moving the goalposts. At one point, we're told white people are not allowed to say anything about this. Then we're told <laughs> that this woman says basically only white people in this situation should say anything about it. And we should listen to black people. But then she says we shouldn't listen to those black people. And the key here, I think, is autonomous. You hear it's the autonomous zone in Seattle. It's the autonomous zone in Washington. This is why I think it's got a, it's, has to do with liberalism itself. We all want to be autonomous. Liberalism, you're always liberating yourself from the oppressive past. You're becoming more and more autonomous. And we are now, we've become so liberated, so autonomous, we've liberated ourselves from ourselves. So this woman can say with a straight face that she is speaking to the black experience in America with greater knowledge than the black people that she's screaming at. That we need an autonomous zone within Washington, D.C., which is a federal zone within the United States. Pretty soon, we're going to have an autonomous zone within an autonomous zone. Actually, we already do. We have an autonomous zone within the autonomous zones, which are the segregated zones, which they're now doing on the basis of race. There is no limit to that. You will, you will never, there will be no limit to the victim groups. This is why as intersectionality has progressed on the left, you've seen it's gone from gay to gay and lesbian, to gay, lesbian, and bisexual, to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, to LGBTQ. Then there's a Q for queer or questioning. That's LGBTQIA, LMNOP. It goes on. There's no limit. This is why with gender, it's gone from men and women to men and women and intersex to men and women and intersex and transgender to men and women to 56 genders. At least that was just at last count. Probably there are more now. This will never end. And the more we become autonomous, the more we liberate ourselves, it seems the less relation we have to reality. We've now re- liberated ourselves into an autonomous fantasy. Is Trump ever going to use force against these people? Is Trump ever going to restore any order to the country? Is Trump ever going to enforce the laws? We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I've got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. Speaking of doing things yourself and being autonomous, that would be a good place to be a little more autonomous. You don't have to rely on those brick and mortar auto parts stores that never have the parts you need and always charge you too much. They probably order it actually from Rock Auto. Then they just double the price and pass that on to you. Uh, You can do that at rockauto.com. They have the lowest prices possible. They don't have constantly changing prices. They're really great. The thing I love about rockauto.com, especially for someone like me, I'm not the most handy guy in the world. Even I can navigate their website, which is a real compliment to Rock Auto. Even I can figure out which cars I want, or which parts rather I want for my car. RockAuto.com. They're a family business too. They've been serving online auto parts customers for 20 years, which is more or less the entire history of the internet. Uh, Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in there. How did you hear about us, box? That's most important. And then they will know that we sent you. RockAuto.com and enter Knowles in the how did you hear about us? So is Trump going to use force? President Trump has finally come out and said that he will use force against the black house autonomous zone. He tweeted out, he said, there will never be an autonomous zone in Washington, DC, as long as I'm your president. If they try, they will be met with serious force. Now they are trying and they seem to have succeeded. So the question is, is Trump going to use force or not use force? We might not even be able to examine the answer to that question, because when Trump tweeted that, Twitter censored the tweet. Notice they're doing this more frequently now. 
Twitter never censored any tweets. Certainly not. Imagine the audacity to censor a tweet from the president of the United States. But they sent out a little notice after they covered it up. They said, we've placed a public interest notice on this tweet for violating our policy against abusive behavior, specifically the presence of a threat of harm against an identifiable group. A threat of harm. Let me translate that for you into English. The top law enforcement official in the United States said he would enforce the law against criminals. And Twitter said that that is abusive and it's a threat of harm against a group and they can't tolerate that. As far as I'm concerned at this point, we should use any civil legal means necessary to shred Twitter's influence in the world. Get rid of it. I know I enjoy Twitter. We all enjoy Twitter. I don't care. Bankrupt them. Break them up. Take away their Section 230 protections. Get rid of them. They are actively harming our country. We all have to be on it as long as it exists because it is the public square. They have a monopoly on the public square, but they shouldn't. We should get rid of that. We cannot, I don't want them to have power. I I can't take it anymore with conservatives who say, well, because I'm a conservative, I think we should let some billionaire leftist socialist tech oligarchs control the flow of information around our republic because I'm so conservative. Uh, No, I don't think that's very conservative. And I don't think they should get protections that they don't deserve. And I don't think that they should, they should be able to control the public square and that some unelected jerk tech billionaire ought to be able to censor the president of the United States. Now, where did this all come from? It came from a recent action in Lafayette Park, the beginning of the Black House Autonomous Zone, where rioters tried to pull down the famous statue there of Andrew Jackson. So President Trump at this point said, I've authorized the federal government to arrest anyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property in the U.S. with up to 10 years in prison per the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act or such other laws that may be pertinent. This action is taken effective immediately, but may also be used retroactively for destruction or vandalism already caused. There will be no exceptions. I hope that's true. I hope we can believe that. I hope every single one of these rioters rots in prison for a very long time. The way to stop this kind of madness and violence is to meet it with force. You cannot enforce the law without using force. That's why it's called law enforcement. And right now, I think there's been this game. I mean, actually, the president admitted it in his, in his rally the other day, where he said, look, I'm going to let it burn a little bit longer. I'm going to let people see what, what democratic government looks like. I understand that because one, it means that you don't need to worry about sending in force and having another Kent state on your hands and having people accuse you of killing innocent protesters. I I know what the media is going to do. But this argument of, hey, everybody, look at what happens when you elect Democrats is a little too clever by half when a Republican occupies the Oval Office. What's the argument? Elect me, reelect me, and then I'll enforce the law. It doesn't work. I get, I understand why he's doing it, but it doesn't work. I hope he uses force very quickly because if we don't force very basic laws and laws where, where the president actually does have considerable influence, then what are we doing? What are we fighting for? I don't, I don't really know. Now there is a a legal route. There is a way out of the LARPing, sort of, there is a, a way out of the play acting that the left is doing right now. And that was just suggested by the founder of BET, Black Entertainment Television, Robert Johnson, who suggested that BLM become a formal political party. 
I've been convinced for a long time that 40 million African-Americans who tend to vote as a block in one of the two parties limit their leverage in getting action from both parties. And I think it's time that African-Americans form an independent party, not be an appendage of one party or ignored by the other party, and using their leverage in a, a democracy to say we stand for things that are principally focused on the interests of the 40 million African-Americans and not have that diluted by trying to be a part of another party where the interests the interest may diverge and, and oftentimes do diverge. Now, I give this guy a little bit of credit because he's taking the political process much more seriously than just the rioters and the looters. And he's suggesting something more like what we see in Europe, which is instead of having the two main parties, you have lots of little parties and lots of more specific interest groups and they form coalitions and we'll have a multi-party system. I still think it's LARPing though. I still think it's play acting because what he says here is that you've got black voters and they vote as a block either for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And that's not true. In so much as black voters vote as a block, they vote for Democrats. They don't, they don't vote as a block for Republicans, and they haven't in many decades. They did, at one point, they actually did vote heavily for Republicans, but, but they haven't at least in recent memory. So what you would actually be doing if you created a BLM political party, one, the odds that you actually got buy-in from a significant portion of black voters for a radical party like that, I think, are pretty slim. Uh, what you would, in effect, be doing is completely crippling the Democratic Party. If it actually did work, the Democratic Party would fall apart. The Democratic Party needs black voters and they need virtually all the black voters. And if they lose any of them, then they're in serious trouble. So fine by me. You know, if you want to start the BLM party and, and destroy the Democratic Party, works for me. Uh, what this is also presuming is that the Black Lives Matter Party actively represents the majority of black interests. That is not the case. Black Lives Matter does not, does not have very much to do with Black Lives Mattering. Black Lives Matter is primarily ideological, not racial. They are primarily Marxists, trained Marxists. The founders of BLM admit that they are trained Marxists. They admit that they're Marxists in their About Us page on their website. They say that they want to tear down the nuclear family. They call each other comrade and they want to abolish the police. That is not just a racial interest party. That is a, a radical Marxist party exploiting race for for ideological ends. So I, I don't think that is really going to happen either. And the other reason that it's LARPing is it ties in with the, the bigger theme that we're talking about all, all the time, which is it, it presumes that there is an anti-black white supremacy at work in America. And that's why you need a black specific political party. And that just isn't the case. It just is not the case. The only de, de jure racism, the only racism by law that we tolerate, racial discrimination, is called affirmative action. And it privileges black and Hispanic and some other racial minorities on things like it, it being admitted to college or in job applications. And it, it disadvantages white applicants and Asian applicants, which is why Asian students sued Harvard University because they were discriminated against on the basis of their race. That's the only one. That's the only racial discrimination on the books. Look around. They, if there were real incidents of this, then you would see it. But there aren't. Just a lot of hoaxes. All the way to NASCAR, all the way to Jesse Smollier in Chicago, and everywhere in between. 
And so you would be forming a political party over an imaginary problem. That is probably not going to be very successful, and I don't think it's going to happen. Now, there are some racial issues in the country, but the racial issues are mostly occurring when there is racial offense given. It's given by the left, and one of the left's darlings, oh, such a darling he is, Jimmy Kimmel, the toast of Hollywood, the host of awards shows, is in trouble because he uh, impersonated a lot of black actors, darkened his skin, and uh, used the N-word on tape, and uh, hosted a show called The Man Show, and uh, made lots of comments that are now being called sexist. He offended a lot of leftist sensibilities. So what did he do? Did he stand firm and say, I'm a comedian, I'm telling jokes, and you can't stop me? No, of course he caved to the outrage mob. Is it going to do him very well? Well, we'll see. We'll get into that in one second. We will get into some of the other make-believe that we're all playing around in. First, though, I've got to thank you. You people have gotten me to finally, even though I got a late start, beat Drew on the YouTube channel subscriber push. Not on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. I mean, that's all well and good. But over on my Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel, I think we're past 75,000 now. If you wouldn't mind, would appreciate it if we could get up to 100,000. You can see a lot of fun stuff. We got breakouts, separate interviews, bonus segments from the show. Also, if you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to dailywire.com. Great value, $3 per month. And when you sign up right now, that first month, do you know how much it is? $1.99, I'm giving it to you. Get access to the mobile app, articles ad-free, and premium content like this latest one from Drew. Biden is a ventriloquist's dummy, and the press knows it. And that is certainly true. You get a lot of in-depth analysis, election analysis. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back. Jimmy Kimmel's in trouble. He very famously, when he was hosting The Man Show, put black paint on his face and played Carl Malone. He said the N-word on joke Christmas albums in the 1990s. He hosted The Man Show. He, he got in a lot of trouble. So finally, he's addressing this. He conveniently went on vacation a few days ago as this was all blowing up. Now he is apologizing, sort of. But pay attention to this apology. I have long been reluctant to address this, as I knew doing so would be celebrated as a victory by those who equate apologies with weakness and cheers for leaders who use prejudice to divide us. So already he's accusing his opponents of being racists. That delay was a mistake. There is nothing more important to me than your respect, and I apologize to those who were genuinely hurt or offended by the makeup I wore or the words I spoke. On K-Rock Radio in the mid-90s, I did a recurring impression of the NBA player Carl Malone. In the late 90s, I continued impersonating Malone on TV. We hired makeup artists to make me look as much like Carl Malone as possible. I never considered that this might be seen as anything other than an imitation of a fellow human being, one that had no more to do with Carl's skin color than it did with his bulging muscles and bald head. Pause there. What he's saying is, oh, I didn't even think about the race. I wasn't wearing blackface. I was doing an impersonation of a black person, which involves darkening my skin. I buy that argument. I totally buy that argument. You know who else made that argument? Megyn Kelly. They were debating when Megyn Kelly went over to network TV. She had left Fox. She went to network. And they were discussing what blackface is. And she said, well, you know, when I was a kid, here, I'll find the exact quote. When I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character. 
saying, not, not that you would be mocking an entire race, but if you were going to go for Halloween as Diana Ross, for instance, you darkened your skin, you're going as a character, that was fine. She said the same exact thing that Jimmy Kimmel said here, except she was fired only for making those comments. So Jimmy Kimmel now had to apologize because he actually wore the stuff. He did all the impressions. He said the N-word on tape, did this for many years. And his apology, the reason that Jimmy Kimmel will likely be able to keep his job, his apology is the very same thing that Megyn Kelly said that got her fired. Because there's no fairness here. There's no standard. Jimmy Kimmel bends the knee. You know, back in the day, Jimmy Kimmel was somewhat funny. Jimmy Kimmel used to make kind of off-color, racy jokes. And they were funny, as those jokes tend to be funny, right? I mean, that's, that's what comedy is. Comedy is not milk toast approved politically correct stuff. It pushes boundaries. And sometimes it pushes boundaries on sex. Sometimes it pushes boundaries on race. Sometimes it pushes boundaries on food. I don't know, on any sort of topic, right? So he used to be funny when he wasn't afraid of the woke PC mob. Now he bent the knee. You think the mob is going to be satisfied? Maybe, maybe they will. They do protect their own sometimes, but it's going to be a little tricky because the mob has just found out. Just like they just discovered this K-Rock album where he said the N-word a bunch of times, which has been out there for years. They just found out that Jimmy hosted The Man Show, which is the thing that I know him best from because it was on TV on Comedy Central when I was a kid. Give you a sense, what was The Man Show? The Man Show was kind of a a tongue-in-cheek, self-effacing view of of what men are. So it'd portray men as kind of just like fat slobs who just want to drink beer and look at hot women wearing bikinis and things like that. The the intro actually just featured a bunch of girls jumping on trampolines. Obviously, very tongue-in-cheek kind of introduction. It was a funny show. It was kind of a low-budget show in the 90s. Very good. It was uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. They did good work on there. One bit that they did on that show, probably the most famous bit from the whole show, is they, they held a petition outside, and it was a petition against women's suffrage. So, and the idea being that people didn't know what the word suffrage meant. They thought it was like suffering or something. So they would get uh, women and liberal men to sign this, sign this petition to end women's suffrage. How long is this going to go on? Ladies, unite against suffrage. End the suffraging now. We're trying to stop the suffrage um, and the suffrage of women in this country. Sir, I would be happy to sign. Thank you very much. You've saved the dolphins. Now let's stop the suffrage. I do this for personal reasons. My mother, um, two of my aunts, and my sister all suffered last year. Tell me what the 19th Amendment is. The 19th Amendment is very unjust. (laughs) The 19th Amendment is very unjust. It's the amendment that gives women the right to vote. It's not as though this were a, a drama. This is not a serious show. This isn't a news broadcast. It's a comedy show. It's a joke. Does anybody really believe that Jimmy Kimmel is sorry for telling these jokes? No. Does anybody really believe that anybody's offended by those jokes? No. We're all just playing pretend. By the way, I don't think we should defend Jimmy Kimmel here. 
I think we have unilaterally disarmed far too long. Jimmy Kimmel has become a total left-wing hack. Didn't used to be, but now he is. And I think we've, we've got to stop playing by a completely different set of rules than the left plays by. When you're in a battle, your opponent gets a say. And it is, it is simply surrender to, to not be willing to actually engage in those, those rules. But it is pretend. Don't kid yourself. It is pretend. Think about Howard Stern. He's another guy who used to be shocking, and now he's the toast of Hollywood, totally caved to the left. No comedian, including Jimmy Kimmel, has sucked up to Hollywood more in recent years than Howard Stern. He used to be the anti-Hollywood. He used to make fun of celebrities. Now he's their best friends. Now he goes to their weddings. So Howard Stern just got in a little trouble. Same reason Jimmy Kimmel did. They caught him on tape years and years ago during a bit using the N-word as part of a comedy routine. So Jimmy was confronted, or Jimmy, <laughs> Freudian slip. Howard was confronted about this on The View, and Howard completely denied it. You were shocked, Jock. You used the N-word a lot. Um, you no, said, I really? didn't. I, I yeah. used the N-word. Yeah, did. Wait a second. Hold on. I do. I remember that. it. Whoopi, hold on. Wait, wait. No, no we had a guy on from the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. Who very freely used the N-word. Yes. And my belief was, hey, Say it out in the open. Yes. And le- I didn't use the N-word. Let's be I'm, very I'm, clear. Okay, let's be very clear. That, that isn't what happened. Actually, what happened is Howard Stern put on actual blackface. He wasn't just pretending to be some other guy. He put on actual blackface with the white all around his lips, and he, he used the N-word multiple times. Now, there's, there is more to this sketch, which we'll talk about at the end, but take a listen to this. Hey, Robin, what does you call a black rocket scientist? I don't know, Dad. A n- <laughs> We'll be roaded, we'll be roaded. I want you to give us a kiss, you smelly coghead. I love May you. May I say something yeah. here? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can say whatever you want, you smelly n- Oh! <laughs> Whoopi wrote that. That's it, Ted. You didn't know I was going to say that. Whoopi had no chance to write it. I don't accept that kind of language. You can call her whatever you want, but you don't talk to me that way or I'll leave. Well, don't let the door hit you on your big black ass, mama, on the way out of here. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Now, Whoopi, you is a filthy <laughs> So that's a little different than the way Howard Stern presented it on The View, right? And yet, what is actually going on here? For those of you who weren't just listening, but who have actually seen this sketch, two of the three performers in this sketch are black. One of them is Robin Quivers, who is longtime sidekick on the Howard Stern show. And the other one is Sherman Hemsley, who plays George Jefferson, one of the most famous black comedic actors of the 20th century. And she referred to him as Ted. Well, why? Because Howard Stern wasn't playing Howard Stern. Howard Stern was playing Ted Danson. Ted Danson, a white liberal, great, great actor, loved Ted Danson. But he had this infamous moment where he wore blackface at an event, and his defense was that he was dating Whoopi Goldberg, very much black, who was also at the event. And so what Howard Stern was doing was a sort of satire of Ted Danson performing a racist routine in front of Whoopi Goldberg and using Whoopi Goldberg's blackness as an excuse for doing the routine, right? Many levels to this. Does anybody think that Howard Stern is a racial bigot and was actually doing racism? No, the sketch was actually a, a sketch making fun of racism and making fun of excuses for racism. Although, actually, on that, does anyone think that Ted Danson's a racist? No. He was dating Whoopi Goldberg. That actually was the excuse. It's all just make-believe. And yet, could you imagine if that were a conservative? Could you imagine if it were Steven Crowder who did that bit? He would not be permitted in polite society. He would not be permitted anywhere. 
So what do we do now to Howard Stern? I don't, I, I think comedy, that's fine. Tell jokes. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me when comedians tell jokes. If they go too far, they'll lose their audience. But to gin up this AstroTurf campaign, you've got to be canceled no, no more. That is pretend. It's all pretend. And yet we have to let them follow the logic of their own ideology. We've got to let them get to the end of this. We can't stand in the way. We can't play by a different set of rules. It's sad though, because what it means is none of this is serious and our culture is no longer serious. Give you another example. In, in Oregon right now, there's a mask order. You know, you got to, because of the virus. Remember the virus? I mean, neither. You've now got to wear a mask in public, but not if you're black. I'm serious. Lincoln County, Oregon, health officials announced last week, all residents must wear face coverings when they're in public places if they're likely to come within six feet of other people who are, who are not of their own household. But people of color do not have to follow the new rule if they're worried about racial profiling. Which means, I, as far as I can tell, that means there are two, two options. The whole idea with the masks is that the coronavirus is super duper deadly and super duper contagious and we're all going to die from it. So you got you to wear the mask everywhere you go. So two options as I see it. One, coronavirus is not super duper deadly, right? Because they're saying some people don't have to wear the masks. And white supremacy is not a real thing because people of color, which is a, a new term, but I don't know, it's the term everyone has to use now, I guess. That, that group of people gets a special privilege that the white people don't get. They don't have to wear the masks all the time, but the white people do by threat of law. So either coronavirus, not, it's, it's been a little bit hyped and there's no such thing as white supremacy or coronavirus is super duper deadly. Like they're all telling us all the health experts. And there definitely is white supremacy. And maybe this County in Oregon is being run by the Ku Klux Klan or something. Cause they're saying, yeah, black people don't wear the masks. Good luck with the virus. Uh, I don't know. I, to me, it seems more likely that it's the former situation that the media have actually just been lying to us this whole time and exaggerating things this whole time than it is that there's this awful racist, <laughs> anti-black policy going on in Oregon. Nevertheless, th- those are the options. Either way, somebody is playing pretend. Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller, a name I did not think would be involved in today's show, but, but he has injected himself into these debates because as the statues are coming down of Washington, Jefferson, Columbus, they took down a statue of Teddy Roosevelt at the museum that only exists because of Teddy Roosevelt in New York. And what Ben Stiller suggested is it's good, yeah, take down Teddy Roosevelt, and replace him with a statue of Robin Williams. Robin Williams playing Teddy Roosevelt in that movie. It's that movie, Night at the Museum, I think. Now, it's just a little joke from Ben Stiller. But the joke tells you a lot about our, our culture right now. We don't want the real thing. We can't handle the real thing. We can't handle the real debates. We can't handle the real problems. We can't handle the real eternal political questions. We can't handle the real facts of our history. We can't handle any of that. We can only handle the make-believe, the pretend, the cartoon, the, the joke. That's all, that's all. It's funny. We can't handle jokes either. We, we, our culture has become a joke and that's what we handle. That's it. We, we're, we are now a country that tears down statues of Teddy Roosevelt and would prefer to erect statues of clowns playing Teddy Roosevelt. I think we may be, may be becoming a nation of clowns ourselves. And, and I'm at least glad that we're, we're getting this part right. 
I opened the show and I, I said, there's just something in liberalism that seems to, to be like a ticking time bomb almost. Because you're always, you're always liberating yourself from the oppressive past. So the past always has to be bad. No matter how good times are in liberalism, you've got to have a kind of antipathy for the past. Because now we're so much freer and more liberated and autonomous and emancipated. And that goes on and on and on progressively until you get to some utopian future. And I think a lot of people, even conservatives, think that the time we're living in right now, it's the best time. We're the best. We're the smartest. We're the most moral. We are the most humane. And we've got iPhones, for goodness sakes. We have iPhones. Oh, man, are we so much better than those dumb old-timey people, our ancestors, who came before us? Great story challenges that assumption. Kind of a sad story, but it's funny nonetheless. There's a painting in Spain. It was a painting done by the Baroque painter Bartolomé Esteban Murillo. It's a painting of the Virgin Mary. And the painting needed to be restored. So the owner of this painting went to an amateur painting restorer. And uh, so he said, can you, can you fix up the painting? The first attempt was absolutely disastrous, completely destroyed the painting, it took this beautiful Baroque painting of, of the Blessed Virgin and turned it into what looks like a, a third grader's assignment. So then they tried again made it look like a first writer's assignment. It got worse. Then they tried again, and it looks like a three-year-old finger painted it. They took a beautiful work of art from hundreds of years ago and made it worse, and then worse, and then worse. That's not progress. That would be the opposite of, that would be regress, I believe. And this has happened before, actually, in Spain, again. There's a fresco of Jesus in 2012, and an, an amateur painter, this woman, Cecilia Jimenez, attempted to restore the Eche Omo painting. And same, same results. I mean, it just became this blotchy mess. They took a beautiful painting and then, and then just turned it into what, what could be finger paint. That's the perfect encapsulation of our culture. That's what we are doing. We're tearing down great men. We're tearing down works of art. Uh, now, one of the Black Lives Matter lead activists is calling for people to smash stained glass windows and statues and, and icons at churches. And that is happening, at least in Europe. I don't know if it's happened yet in America. I guess they did deface that they tried to burn it down and then deface the, the St. John's church. All of this is happening and we're congratulating ourselves. All the beautiful art, all the beautiful culture, all the beautiful political system, all the beautiful civilization. We are tearing it to shreds, lighting it on fire, all on the premise that we're so much better than the people who built it. We're so much better. Watch us torch it. And yet the people who are doing it are are so divorced from reality. They are so lost in their own make-believe, in their own fantasy, that they can't even see it. They think that, that actually reality is the opposite of what it is. They think up is down, good is bad, and, and law is lawlessness. And on and on and on. We're living in an upside down world. And something tells me that just like that painting restoration, things are going to get worse and worse and worse. And I hope one day they get better. But for the near future, I think I mentioned this yesterday, the only way out is going to be through. By the way, speaking of terrible news, there is not going to be any show tomorrow because I am going to take a quick little jaunt to Washington, D.C., I want to throw my hat in the ring to become the president of the Bahaz, 
the autonomous zone there. We'll see if it works out. Otherwise, I'll have to come back. Maybe I'll run against Kamala or something in California. But I will be back on, on Friday. So stay, stay tuned tomorrow. Stay safe. Stay put. I'll see you on Friday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs, so every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and donate right now.